This is Amplify, a mini-series from the True North Collective podcast, aiming to highlight unsugarcoated conversations with everyday Black and Indigenous people of color on what it means to be yourself in the realities of our current system. Welcome to episode two of Amplify. All right. Welcome, everybody, to Amplify. This is our second episode, and I think I'm going to take a cue from Erica in the first one and just ground everyone in the fact that this is going to be a perfectly imperfect conversation. And I'm so grateful, DJ, that you have decided to share your story with us and the world and the community. You have been somebody that has throughout my time knowing you, I think it's been almost 20 years. No, that can't be right. Like 15. Um, You've just been a consistent heart, um, a really consistent and strong heart presence in my life. And so I'm grateful that you have decided to be here with us today. And I'll give you a proper introduction. But I just wanted to ground everyone that that this is going to be a perfectly imperfect conversation um, with about authenticity in a world that is really trying to stop particularly black and, and and brown folks from being able to be who they are. And we wanted to hear straight from the voices of those everyday people in our lives. So DJ, thank you for being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you. I'm really excited. Yeah. So DJ, who, um, as I said, we met each other a long time ago in the advertising world, crazy world. <laughs> and David Jacobson goes by DJ, hence I'm say, keep saying that. Um, but he is, I'm going to say it directly as he did. He's a mix of Dave Matthews Band, Taylor Swift, and a dash of 90s rap, which is so perfect. But yes, he is a huge Dave Matthews Band lover. So I highly recommend following him and seeing all, all that he gets up to and following that band. Um, But he's on a journey, like all of us, but particularly in this last year, as he and I have connected, um, I know it's been a real um, awakening within himself. So again, I'm going to read directly your words, Deej, because I think you uh, say it way better than I could. Um, He is biracial. He was adopted at the age of four into a white family, uh, a child of divorces, and truly a fledgling spiritual seeker. Um, and sent in this in this year so far, uh, when I when I asked him like, how do you want to be introduced? You know, I know you from advertising. What's your bio? Um, his response was, it's a really hard question. Uh, right now, late August 2020, the week of Jacob Blake sh- shooting in the summer of COVID and Black Lives Matter, nothing's really the same for me as it was last year at this time. So. It's totally a cliche, but like so many people, who I am is being shown to me. And I think that was a really beautiful way to put it. And I know you've been always on a journey, and that's probably why our lives have so closely stayed connected, because I think both of us have been spiritual seekers. And yet this year specifically has really opened up a lot in, in you and for you. And so... Thank you for being here to share that story with us. Um, welcome, DJ. For sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I, thank you. I, I appreciate it. I, I, I just want to acknowledge what you guys do. Um, I think that a space for 
messy conversations is really important um, right now. I mean, always, but right now for sure, I think people are trying to fit into their boxes and, and like they've chosen sides and all that is like having a point is important um, and a point of view rather is important. But I think that not knowing and, and admitting that you don't know is as big of a piece as being 100% certain. And so I, I appreciate that you guys have, have um, created this space for people to explore and hear what other people think. I know that the, the um, episodes I've listened to have inspired me. They've also intimidated me because you have incredible guests. But um, So I, I just want to say that up front that I, I, I guess I honor you guys too. I, I don't want you to miss that. You're so sweet. I'm like smiling so big over here. Thank you. <laughs> No, truly. And I think you bring up a really good point of like lately, a lot of the the spaces that I've, you know, chosen to show up in or I am in, I don't have a strong point of view and I can see my tendency to want to come up with something. And I've really been practicing just saying, I actually don't know a lot about that. What What's your take on it? And mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing what that does in the in the space um so yeah well well tell us a little bit about you um yeah uh so i (laughs) yeah you you catched it all in that intro the life story um it was actually four months that i was adopted um which changes things only because i i don't know anything different than the life that i've had if that makes sense i don't have an experience with um, my foster families or, you know, my parents growing up, I have only the adopted family and that has shaped me in a way that is interesting. I was born a block away from the Pontiac Silverdome in Detroit. And, um, my mom is hundred percent Italian. My dad is black. Um, he actually just passed away, but anyway, um, he, yeah, he's hundred percent black and they, put me up for adoption and I, it took a lot for me to figure out why. Um, I spent a long time being really angry about that. Um, and my, my adopted family is wonderful. Um, everybody is, is white except for me. Um, my parents grew up on two separate small town farms in Minnesota. Um, and you can imagine, you know, what that was like for in the early forties. Um, my parents um, adopted me at four months. We moved to Madison, uh, Wisconsin, which is, it's a liberal town. It's a fairly white town. Um, and so I grew up, I saw myself as growing up as a white kid. If you see me, obviously I'm, I present black. And so it was never an issue for me. Um, I never, I literally never considered it um, growing up. And um, that, that we can, we'll get to that but it, it, a lot has changed over the last year, of course. Um, so when, my, when I was four years old, my parents got divorced. Uh, my dad remarried when I was six. Um, he had my little brother when I was 11, and then my little sister they adopted when I was 18, and she is also black. And so she and I have had some really interesting conversations this last um, four months, six months. Um, but... So I grew up really happy kid, didn't really know 
I didn't know anything. Like my parents kept everything bad away from me. It was great. Um, I saw my mom struggle and I think I could feel it more than see it. Um, we had, you know, the powdered milk. We didn't have a lot of extras, but I never wanted for anything. Um, she was, she's really, she's wonderful. Um, and then I went to the University of Minnesota for a year and my best friend went to Gustavus Adolphus. It's in St. Peter, Minnesota. Um, and I went down for a party freshman year and I more or less stayed. It was, it was everything I wanted. Um, I actually think that college is not, not um, that important, but that's not for this podcast. Um, but I think that, that what it did is it, it almost solidified myself as this white kid in a black body. Um, I moved to Minneapolis um, after college and got into advertising and more or less stayed. Um, I've been there since 93 and a small um, respite in Orlando, Florida. I worked for Disney for 16 months, six days. It was extremely hot, extremely humid, and everything you think about Florida is absolutely true. Um, good and bad. <laughs> good and bad. Um, so that's kind of the personal and professional up to this year. In October of 2019, I, I love this story. I walked into HR where I was and I said, what does a leave of absence look like? And she looked at me and she said, well, you know, there's two ways you can do it. You can do, um, if it's health related, you can do that. And I said, it's not, I just need to, like, I need some time off. And I don't know what it was that I knew when I walked in that I was going to take a trip. Um, I had this dream of going around the world. I thought it would be amazing. Um, a friend, mutual friend of ours, Rachel, actually, Kara Buckner did it. And I've always, since that, since hearing her story, I was like, I'm, I'm doing that. I don't know when, I don't know why, but I'm, I'm doing that. Anyway, so jump to a week later and I get laid off, which was actually quite, I loved it. Um, I like, I like layoffs. They're horrible on the day, but I think that everyone involved, and I told, I told the owners when they laid me off, I walked into the room and the two owners were there and HR was, and I said, guys, this will be fine. And it was more fine when I saw that they were giving me a severance package because that was going to pay for the trip. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, void of feeling. So I, you know, I helped people get through the day, but I also was like, this is working out. And I called my, um, she's not a life, she's like a medium, but I called her because we had an appointment set up and I said, I just got laid off. She said, that's wonderful. And I said, no, no, I got laid off. She said, yeah, I know you've been manifesting this for, as, for two years, which when she said it, everything changed. I was like, fuck yeah, I have been, you know, and I, and I realized how powerful I was. And I realized that if I accepted that and accepted my power that I've been like dabbling into or that I, I have so much more to say about my life than I thought. Anyway, so a month later, I'm, I went to, I basically went around the world, except I got stuck um, in Australia, so then I had to go back the other way. So I'm, I'm a little sad about that. Um, I was going to go to Hawaii as well, but um, we can talk about that trip too. It, it was, it was life altering. I don't think it was life changing, actually. Um, I've kind of worked on those definitions, but 
Um, okay, so that was wait, a small I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause you. Yeah. What What is your difference between altering and changing? And now I'm mixed up with which one I said. But I think like life altering is if I was going to be a doctor and then I go on this trip and I become a lawyer. Um, life changing, I think, is like it expedited some things for me. And it as I'm thinking through these definitions, I realize I hadn't thought them through. But, um, it, it just, totally it, fair. right. It wasn't, it, it wasn't that my life is, my life is obviously different having been on this trip. I think that it was always going to be this way. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so I, like, I don't think that it, I don't think it changed anything. I just think it, it like this trip had to happen. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. Trip, you know, like, like as you were having it, it felt like I, I, this was a, always a part of me already. Always. Yeah. 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 Always. I've been having always. experiences like that lately and I've yeah. struggled to describe it, but I think you're actually doing a really beautiful job. Yeah. I, I, there were, there were a few times where I was like, I don't know how I could not be on this trip. Do you know what I mean? Totally. There were people that I got laid off with that were searching for a job immediately. And I was like, okay, good. But I know I, I like, I could not go to the next job. Yeah. I, I didn't have that. It wasn't an option really. Yeah. Um, okay. DJ, I yeah. like, thank you so I much. Know. For I was like, the story say too. something. I, because I, I literally got laid off yesterday. <laughs> and um, and I feel like the story that you're sharing is like exactly, I mean, it's, so identical like it just I mean I, I knew it was coming too and like I'm actually yeah. kind of already in the middle of my trip but just hearing your story and like the the knowing that just like this is great and this is totally setting me up for exactly what I want yeah. um but I just I appreciate hearing it in your story because it's bringing like it's it's very fresh it's it hasn't even been 24 hours yet yeah it's, <laughs> um, it's from the happy hour goodbye <laughs> Yeah, but um, it's you know definitely bringing, just keeping that that hope and that vision alive. So thank uh, this is like perfect divine timing Absolutely. to hear you share your story. Always. Um, let's see. Okay, so then I flew, I flew back. I got back um, January fourth, and then we had already my mom and I had already planned to go to Oprah. She was in Minneapolis that weekend, um, and that was it was Oprah. So it was amazing and then um i didn't i planned on not working for a while because i figured that i would need you know to come down from this trip and then a friend of mine and i were talking about oprah and she's like well i want to go i said okay I'll, I'll go again i don't mind so we went um to the to the show in denver and i i talked to oprah and i will never i was so excited to talk to her and i had you practice these things, right? And then she comes walking around and we're doing this little workbook that she's got. Um, and she said, so what, what do you got here? And I said, I'm just learning, just learning. It was, <laughs> I've never, I was mortified when it happened. I could feel myself sucking at the answer. Um, I was devastated, but all I could think about was who took a picture of this. And so I asked every person around me and a woman in front of me, this is irrelevant to this podcast, but um, a woman in front of me took a selfie and she cut, she cropped herself out and sent it to me. And I like, I, I'm beaming now talking about it because Oprah spoke to me. Um, 
anyway, and that was at the beginning. That was March, the weekend of March 11th. We got back on Sunday, and then the world shut down that Friday. Um, I was staying with some friends, and we were <laughs> watching the governor talk about the, the stay in shelter in place, rather. And they're like, well, looks like you're staying for a while. And so that was March. I moved out in May. And then I, the way I look at it is that I started my COVID again because like, I was with, we were a little family. You know, they got a dog when I was in Denver and I was like, I helped raise this dog. And then I moved out on my own. And living alone is great. Um, it's also jarring when you can't do anything. And so um, that's, been a, that's been a trick. And then um, Memorial Day came and George Floyd got murdered and everything about my life got really, really, really fucked up. Um, I still, I wasn't working and I'm, I was, I, I thought this a hundred times during the, that week. Like, I'm so happy I don't have a job right now because I could not do my job effectively and deal with this. Like I watched, I watched my city burn. I watched, I watched a guy get murdered in slow motion, and and um, I have to deal with the fact that, like, he and I are similar in age, um, and so when I saw him, I tried to explain to people. When I saw him, I didn't see someone like me. I saw me, like, I like we, my eyes connected, and I like it. It. I was never so mentally um, distraught. I was terrified. I was um, also scared. Like there's, you know, there's varying degrees of that. I felt all of it. And so, Rachel, the thing I was trying to explain in the lead up of this: if you have a, um, a cube of ice and you put it in a glass and then you pour warm water over it, when it cracks, that's what happened to my brain. And I use that analogy because people know the sound and they know the visual too. And like I remember the moment it happened. Um, and I, I've been dealing with that fissure ever since. Um, and I, it's not even bad. Like I feel like I needed this to, to come into who I am and to realize that I am a black man in America and that's different than being a white guy in a black man's body in America. Um, I saw myself differently after that. And the beautiful part um, was that I, so I went to 38th in Chicago, the, the um, site, and I looked around and everyone's wearing masks, of course. And so you have to look at people's eyes. And like, I saw people and I, you know, I've got the air quotes going, but I, like, I saw them. They saw me. I saw black women differently. I saw black men differently. Um, it was, it's been a horrible summer, but it's also been a chance to, to be beautiful. Like I have to remind myself that this isn't all bad. And um, it's tough, it's tough to, to believe that sometimes, but it's also, it's, re, it's, I have to make it my reality um so i can i don't even know so i can help other people see it i guess <sighs> while you were talking i just 
I mean, there's nothing that I can say except just like breathe in the words that you're saying. Um, there's so much there that needs to be heard. Yeah. <sighs> oh, yeah, one more thing. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah. So that the, my coach, we were talking about Floyd too. And, and she's like, this, this, you are going to be, or you have a chance to be a bridge for people. And when she said it, I was like, you know what? I'm kind of tired of being here for everybody else. Like, I, how about if someone shows up for me? She said, I, I get that. I understand what you mean. But also, you're in a unique situation in that, like, my life has been, for a lot of people, I'm the only black person they know. And I'm, I, there's no other way to say it. Like, I'm a soft, I'm a soft in for a lot of people. Do you know what I mean? Um, it, it That doesn't give a lot of people a lot of credit, including myself. But it's also... I'm not coming in as as what people see as a stereotype, if that makes sense. And so it's wonderful that that I can show them that black people are smart, beautiful, kind, loving, um, generous, all these things. Um, but now I also have a lot more anger. Excuse me. So when I talk to people now, they also get that side of it. Um, and it's it's been an interesting challenge for me to talk to longtime friends, like thirty five year long friends, about everything that's going on, because they haven't experienced anything other than, um, like their comfortable sub- white suburban. These are all cliches, um, you know, lives that have never been upset at all, and to a point, I haven't either. But I actually have, because now I'm going back and hearing, hearing, I'm thinking about all of the things and the microaggressions, the macroaggressions that I just laughed off because it was easier. And, and like, I'm in danger of losing friendships, which, I, which is okay, because I'm finding myself, and that is, like, the most woo-woo thing I've ever said. But um, it, it's been a really growth is an understatement and acceptance is super important. It's a daily challenge. Um, But anyway, getting back to the bridge piece, I think that what I, what I want from this and my intention from this is that people can see me step into my blackness. And when I say people, I include myself, like step into my blackness and realize that every single black person in the world and obviously in this country has a different experience. So don't paint us all with the same same brush. And we can't paint ourselves to the same brush. I love Dave Matthews band. Like I love them. And I get ridiculed daily for that. Um, But it's also who I am. So like I have to be more accepting of myself. I have to be more accepting of everyone that I meet, everyone that I know, everyone that I've known. Talk, like my parents and I would talk about George Floyd afterwards, and my mom said, "She's, she's like, I just, I, I didn't realize it was this bad." And of course she wouldn't, you know. I mean, she watches MSNBC and CBS. She's not going to see a lot of, a lot of the George Floyd murder on those channels. Um, 
up until Memorial Day. And so she feels guilty. I'm like, you did, you did probably a too good of a job of not seeing color when I grew up because I never thought of it. Do you know what I mean? And, and like that ice cube crack, it's like, holy fuck, I'm a black guy. How do I, how do I deal with this? And so everyone's talking about reading and listening and, and, and reaching out to your black friends. I'm like, I also have to do all that. And so you can ask me any question you want. I might not know the answer. And I do have the piece where I'm pissed now because I'm realizing all the bullshit that we've had to go through and all the bullshit that I've actually dealt with. And so I'm going to shut you down sometimes. And I'm just going to tell you to go Google it sometimes. I want to have the conversations. I just, I can't always be that person. And I talked to my little sister about it. We, we, we have dueling posts of like your black friends are tired. And I bought a shirt this weekend. It just says tired on it. I'm like, yeah, it's exhausting to be a black person in America. And now I'm realizing actually how exhausting it is. So there's some guilt there too. Um, anyway. So. <laughs> well, what I was what I was gonna say, what'd you say? I just said I keep babbling. No, know, so. it it's it's not, so bad. It's so I know maybe inside it feels that way, but it is very succinct, and I'm like following everything. Um, I was just gonna say, um, to dovetail off your life coach's invitation. <clears throat> that of being a bridge and you unpacking what exactly that means to you similar to when we were coming on you know when I said hey do you want to have this conversation recorded (laughs) as we as I was like reaching out and we were talking about everything and you're like I'm not an expert I'm not an expert but like the layers that exist that are you and the courage that you've had your whole life to who am I? What does this mean? How does this mean for me? Who am I showing up for? Me, others, you being you, that is the bridge. That's it. Like you don't have to do anything. And so I just, and you can do, like, I just, I guess I want to just say um, who you are with all of your layers and your ability to openly share it un- curated even though it still sounds beautifully curated but just as it's coming out is the gift is the magic so yeah thank you yeah it's yeah thank you it's funny because i i have always been a huge proponent of authenticity and like in the workplace in life people come to me and they're like what should i do what should i do i said what like what's your gut reaction that's what you should do. And it's, it's ironic because I have spent a long time thinking about doing those things and then not doing them. And, but I was, I mean, I was like a, I was like Fraser Crane. I was the best psychologist, but I would have this messed up life over here. And this summer has been, I, I said two things have happened. One, I realized that I was black, which is a lot, but two, I don't have the ability or nor desire to bullshit anymore. And it it is super interesting to come to, you know, 30-year relationships where I've played a certain role for them in their eyes. And now I have I come at a very different 
person. And, and I'm saying things that are like, well, I don't, this isn't, I don't know this DJ. Like, well, this is, this is it. Like I can't, I can't downshift anymore. And it's a, it's a problem to be honest, because, um, they don't have the skills or, and the history, like this is not a dig on my friends. Like they don't have the experience dealing with it or me this way. So they're a little wobbly. Um, so I just, I try to be kind with them and, and show them grace. It gets a little frustrating because I can't explain to them what it's like in my brain other than that ice cube thing. Like I do think that rocks, but, um, like everyone's dealing with this, right? You all are, are experiencing George Floyd in the summer through your lens and everyone's kind of figuring out what this is going to be. But it's, it's, how do I say it? We have to consider that everyone else is going through it too. And it's a, it's a delicate line of self care and compassion for other people. Um, and I, like it's hard to be selfish, you know. My my life has been um, kind of a background player, meaning that I was a server, so like on the background of your dinner, I'm a project manager, so I'm in the background of the project. Like I don't have that I don't have that um, freedom anymore. Like I have to be the lead the lead character of this play, and it's awkward for me. I um, absolutely fall on my face a lot, but I think that people are more forgiving than I give them credit for. And I think, like I say, this, this podcast is a, is a piece of that. Like having a place to ramble is, is really wonderful. Um, and I think that it, it, I think that this summer and this year as really devastating as it's been, right? I think that people are going to come out eventually thinking, Oh, good. Like, I'm so over that. I don't. I didn't want to be. I didn't want to have to live up to Instagram. I didn't want to have to live up to Facebook. Like, great. I love doing this, and that's what I'm going to do. I think, and I'll wrap this up quick. Um, my dream after COVID is that everybody does exactly what they want for a career, and I know that that's impossible because people are locked in. But think about it. I know people that love spreadsheets. I know people that love painting. I love. I know people that love cooking. So if everybody just did that, like did exactly what they like, I think things would even out. And I think that we'd have a society of a lot of people that are a lot happier. And like every everything that we need would be filled. You know what I mean? I just it's a it's a pipe dream. I get it, but I I sometimes just think about it to make myself happy. <laughs> so in 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 hell yes hell yes hell yeah, yes. Right. No. I want to be a, I want to be a part of that pipe dream. I we are right. we are a part of that pipe dream. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um yeah. Uh I was I was going to ask this is me you might not have the answer to this question but yeah. um I'm just going to ask it anyways. If you grew up like in the feeling that you were not a white boy in a black body and you were a black boy how do you think it would have been different? Or how do you think you would have shown up differently? Um, I think that's a good question. I think that um, 
I think that I would have been a little or a lot, maybe, but I would have been more um, guarded. And that's saying a lot because I'm pretty guarded anyway. Um, but I think that I would have been guarded with my with my joy. Um, one of the things that I that I've kind of not studied, but I've noticed over this past couple months is is a lot of Black people and and people of color are like, thanks for appreciating our pain, but also there's a lot of joy here, and you know let us have that too, celebrate that too, and so I think. What I had growing up was this idea that I honestly, I just didn't think that I was, I didn't see that I was black. And like, if you're standing up straight and you look out, you don't see your skin. You know what I mean? Unless you have like a, unless you're reaching forward. But I, I never saw myself as black. I know that people did. Um, but so what I think would have been different if I had, if it had clicked with me, that I was this black boy is that I might have protected different things or I might have not, honestly, I don't know if I would have been as open, which isn't fair because I know there's gurus all over the place that are, that are black and brown and, and they're, they're super um, compassionate and generous and open. But I think I just got really good at not rocking the boat and kind of becoming a chameleon to whatever my surroundings were. And I think that if I, if I had, sounds funny, if I had known that I was black, I, I think that would have eliminated that possibility for me. Um, and so I would have, like, I've started to look for, I've started to look for um, opportunities to not show my blackness, but connect to it more like I, I see black I like I was saying before I see black people now and I see how I'm not an other um for them I don't see them as other rather I I know my most of my life has been spent feeling inside something that I was other meaning I was adopted so I wasn't part of this family I, I mean, obviously, I, I cellularly knew I was I was half black, so I was not I was not white in Madison, if that you know what I mean. Um, and so, I think if I had known that I was black growing up, or <laughs> acknowledged it, I guess that I might have felt more grounded, if anything. I mean, I kind of I could give you both answers because uh, like there's a lot of duality and in my life that I'm realizing. Yeah, and and I'm sure the part of the reason I asked the question was because um, I had cancer when I was 14, you know that. And there was a long time where I thought the person that I was, was like I was having a conversation with one of my life coaches and I was saying like, because I was sick, because da 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 da. And then she was like, would you have been that way whether you were sick or not? And then I was like, right. oh, right. shit. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Was it, were you that, and this is just happens to be the body it happened in? Right. Or is it because of right. your body that you, you become that? That's a really good way to look at it. Yeah. And like That's at a, really a certain point, it kind of, it almost like diffused the wasted energy I was having on trying to pinpoint why something was happening. And so then I could just embrace 
who I was and it was just like, fuck it. But um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just curious. I've been going through in 2020 and it's, you know, it's definitely not the same, but there's similarities of just like seeing my identity in a completely different way. And I'm, I'm curious how you have been like, I guess, what actions or how you've been exploring this new, new, but yeah, maybe old (laughs) version of you that you just hadn't addressed before. What does that process look like getting to know your new self? Right. Um, I think it's been, it's been very slow going. Um, like I said, I've been reading a lot and I've listened to all the, the books and, and like, I still come at it as as a now a person who's had a very privileged upbringing and a very safe upbringing. And, um, I think what, what I'm able to do now that is different is that I don't look, this is horrible, but I don't look at black people as other, like I was just, like I was saying. And so there's a larger community for me, which is, which is wonderful. And so I, I'm at the, I'm in DC and I went to the commitment march yesterday or the March on Washington. I mean, there's so many names, but anyway. Um, and, and I looked around and I realized like four or five times, I was like, no one knows what my history is. They just see me as, as another black man at this March with them. We are community. Um, I mean, I get chills thinking about it right now. There were so many times where I I am now part of that, um, that being the black community, which I wasn't growing up. And it's it's you know I wrote last night preparing for this. Like it's a wonderful thing. I saw we were at the um, Martin Luther King Memorial. We, that's where we wrapped up the walk, and this guy just started chanting you know i love the color of my skin i love the texture of my hair and everyone's chanting back and i'm like i'm i'm part of this now you know and i wasn't at the beginning of the summer or the beginning of the year and it's like i felt i can't say i felt home um because there's still a there's still a big piece of me that is other right but i i accept my accept my blackness now and that's a huge huge piece of this um so i mean that's the i'm gonna say that's the biggest thing that's like that's all of it like accepting half of who i am or accepting a half of who i am it's i i I don't have the words for it other than to say um i wish it had happened you know 45 years ago um, I, I think that that tangible things that have happened to answer your question, like I have now looked at books that I read or were supposed to read in college. I'm like, okay, that's going to land differently now. You know, James Baldwin will land differently for me than it would have when I was a 20 year old brat, right? So, like, I'm looking at 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 black culture differently. I'm looking at black culture as a part of black culture. That's the answer. (laughs) A little bit around. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, Thank you for sharing it. um, 
it, everyone who listens to the podcast knows that I'm pretty into the anger therapist. <laughs> um, but he talks a lot about accepting your story and mm-hmm. how, it, you know, it sounds like, like for you, this is fine, finally you accepting like a large part of your story that maybe you hadn't previously. And hopefully I'm not putting words in your mouth. No, but. not at all. And it's, it, it, it's funny because they're like, it's not all great. You know, there's also a lot of anger there. There's yeah. also a lot of pain there. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to dance with that too. Like how, how joyful can I be when I like you turn on the TV and everything that's happening is like, you see people getting shot and, um, but it's almost like it's somehow, I think that accepting my blackness and I want to remind me to talk about the Devin way too, if you could, but accepting it and realizing that I am not immune from it, which I think growing up, I was like, Oh, that could happen over there. Um, It makes me in a really simple way. It makes me want to be better. Not, not for me. That's part of it, but for, everyone to see like i i think about this bridge like i want to be i want to be the best version of me so that you can see it and so that um black kids can see it and so women can see it and so and and for and so white people that might have a different impression of black people can see it ultimately though all of those are great but what this summer has done is now I want to be a better version for me, literally for me. And like, that's super cliche in it, but it's important. Like I have to do this for me. I'm making choices for me now. I'm, I'm right now, or I just finished the book, Braving the Wilderness, uh, listening to it um, by Bernie Brown. And yes. um, have you, have you read or heard it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And yeah. the, the belonging piece and um, the, the, what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing is your ability to identify and like see and be open to black communities in a new mm-hmm. way is allowing you to belong to yourself. Is that true? Yeah, that's a, that's a perfect way to say it. It's a perfect way to say it. Um, yeah, and it's, it's a... I- it's a big piece and I, and I, it's weird. Cause I don't feel, um, I was going to say, I don't feel as accepted by white America, but I, but I still do. Like I still hold, hold on to that piece too. Like I, I remember after, um, after, after Floyd, someone said, well, are you scared? I said, of course I'm scared. Like I've never been more afraid. Um, but then I thought I had been stopped by the cops you know, before, and I never, I never was concerned. And like that to me was a really strange thing to realize. And, and then people are like, well, why, do, why weren't you afraid? I said, I, it never crossed my mind. You know, like my, my, my whiteness led, I led with my whiteness, I should say. And um, now I am terrified to be pulled over because I realize that it does not matter. Like they, they don't, they don't know 
that my birth mom is Italian. They could give a shit, right? Yeah. Um, I am grateful I got lucky with who pulled me over, you know? And I think, obviously, obviously, I do want to make this point, and this is, like, I think that most cops are great. The problem is that the ones that aren't great suck hard. And so anyway, I just want to, like, I believe in good cops, of course. But now, after this summer, there's one more black guy who's fucking terrified. And it's not on them to solve it for me. It's up to me. Um, but it's also not on me to solve it for them. Anyway, I got a little off track. Sorry. Um, no, I think that's like, uh, I that that side of the conversation, and maybe this is sticking out to me because I've been going back and forth with someone in my life who I care about dearly, but we've been having conversations on that that topic and just being able to hear your experience. I, I think it's just so important for people because I know I'm over here and I'm, I'm trying to share an experience that I don't necessarily have, but like trying to get someone to see, you know, where, where we can improve in a, a way that, I don't know, is, is an open dialogue and isn't like attacking another person and their beliefs. But yeah. it, I, I know for me, I just struggle because it's like, it's not, my experience right like I can I feel passionate about trying to get people to understand but it you know it's hard when it's not your voice so thank you for sharing yeah yeah and I and I I mean obviously I've had those conversations and and I've heard you know it's tough to be a cop and it's and why don't they stop and why would they run and I heard he had this I'm like okay I'll grant you all of that I've also seen and posted like all right here's the one that gets me the kid that that shot up the south carolina church they bought him burger king so you can't look at me with a straight face and tell me that there's not an issue because i've seen guys being pulled over shot in their car i've seen a guy shot in the back like you it's not the same don't tell me it's the same and if you can admit that it's not the same, then we can start the conversation. Because I'm, I'm tired, and a lot of Black people are tired of trying to convince you that there's an issue. Like, you don't even see the issue. So how can we talk about the solution if you don't see the problem? You know, I mean, yeah. this is obviously not That's... where I wanted to go with this, but... Sorry, yeah, I, I just appreciate it because i've been struggling with that in the conversation as well and it's very for very similar reasons i'm like if (laughs) i'm not even sure we're having the same conversation then right um, right it's like not the right conversation or the i guess the conversation that i think will move things forward well and i there was a anyway yeah there's a there's a um conversation that i was a part of this week called move the middle with um, Jesse Ross and Erica Jones, actually. And yeah. they specifically asked, they, I don't know how, like who they invited, but I got an invite and they asked, please bring somebody who has a different point of view than you. And they held this space for people to have different points of view and to f- courageously share them. And it's the first time that I was able to witness, because I didn't really say anything, which I was conflicted on, but it was, 
a lot. Um, watching people be so passionate, but then in this space, for whatever reason, people were not attacking each other for different points of view. They were actually saying, I hear your point and let me add to it. And I was like, what? And it was so, it was overwhelming to be honest. Um, But one of the things in addition to that, that I was like, thank you for letting me be a part of that experience. I want to be a part of more of that was um, somebody spoke up at one point and said, there are so many confounding factors to these situations and each person is grasping on to the aspect of it that proves their point of view already. And it's like, holy shit, totally. Because, um, yeah, so it's like there's so many confounding things in each person because there's so much, you can kind of pick and, it's almost like they, people can pick and choose what it, what aspect they decide to rally behind or use to prove something um but yeah I agree with you the it's it's absolutely asinine to me to see it's just so clear and being in Dallas Texas um has been really interesting because to be honest moving down here I experienced more diversity than I ever did when I lived in the north in the Midwest, um, it is much more integrated. And on the surface, it seems so, it actually seemed so polite. And the more that this has all been unfolding more publicly for everybody to see, it has been, um, underneath the surface of the cordialities is not, it's not the same. Like there's this like layer of, I don't know, that I'm like, okay, I, like my friends that I've met here that are black and brown, I'm like, how are you actually, like, is everything okay? And then like, not all of them have shared with me because that's okay. And the ones who have are like, it's like, are like, it's fuck. this is, this has been going on forever. And like, I'm scared. Almost every single day of my life, I'm scared. And I was like, what? Yep. yep. It's, I, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting that you say that. And I've heard that I've heard the same about, about, um, like the South, South, um, Southeast, I guess, but, and how, you know, there's, there's, it's super integrated, but I also have the sense and I, I can't, I have no, proof of this but i in my mind it seems like the history has established how things will be and so everyone is just aware that there are certain things that you do and do not do slash do or do not say and that makes everything kind of move smoothly you know what i mean absolutely right and so this summer has been like people i'm everyone waking up to reality and and it's like oh crap I got I need to now, I can't look away because of COVID and I've got no place, like I have to deal with this. We have to deal with it. And now we have to have these conversations and they're going to suck and I want to avoid them. And I personally want to avoid them because it's just, it's easier to just kind of let it go and like just get back to, I don't know, watching 
whatever. And and so I'm I I can see that Rachel. I can see how how people are adjusting. Yeah. Well, and I <laughs> and then, yeah. go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say like the fear is real, and it's a really weird thing to admit that you're afraid. Um, to yourself and to other people, because I don't want to live that way. I don't like I've I have preached as long as I can remember. Like, see it, face it, do it anyway. Um, you know, like I love Will Smith, and he's like, if you're afraid, do it, do it afraid. Then, like, and and I I want to be that person, but I have this extra layer now of reality. You know. Um, so I need to incorporate that sooner than later so I can get on with my life. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for articulating that. Um, yeah, I, I think for me, it could be very, well, for anyone, but I'll speak from a place of I, um, because those social constructs are so like, this is how you do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and everybody's kind of playing that on the surface, um, my invitation to myself is to continually empower myself to say what I can actually say, do what I can actually do in each moment and not to, it's almost like I can't go too far along because I, it feels too overwhelming. But if I can take it moment by moment, day by day, I can notice where I'm disempowering myself and thinking that I, oh, I can't possibly, whatever, and just saying, okay, what can you do right now? And then breathing or doing whatever I need to do to yeah. actually do it. And sometimes it's literally as as small, which isn't small, as as genuinely mm-hmm. asking somebody how they are and if if there's anything they need, I see you, you know? Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on, I think you said it, Janelle, but talking about people grasping on, to the different pieces of the events. I think that that two things. One, social media is, I actually love Instagram because I think that it gives a place for, it's a community and it, it lets people burn off some of that energy. Um, Chadwick Boseman passed away yesterday and it's like, I'm, I'm with people as we go through this, right? So that's one thing. But I think the other side of it is that people are looking for that quote that'll get the clicks. And so I see a guy get shot seven times and I've got an opinion and here's what it is. And I'm super safe behind my keyboard. Suck on it, America. This is what I think, right? I also think that we aren't as educated as we were and can be. And so it's like, I don't, I don't know what else to think. And so I want to be right. I need to feel safe in my correctness. And so I will find, to your point, I'll find pieces of this incident that support my point of view. I'm right. Don't come at me telling me I'm wrong because I just proved to you that I'm right. You know what I mean? Yep. That was basically that was the conversation that I was a part of and trying not to do that. But I think we were both just like pulling outside sources of like, well, well, here's my perspective. Someone else like explaining it. And it just, yeah, I, I'm practicing having these conversations. And when we had Erica on um, in our first Amplify episode, like that was something I said a lot of times, I just get almost paralyzed and don't 
know what to say so I don't say anything um but I'm also now practicing being in this space of how do I support how do I make a change because I will also like this is I don't love saying this publicly on a podcast but like if you you talk to me five six seven eight years ago like I don't think I'd be proud of how I viewed any of these topics you know like I was taught different things and raised in a you know society that you know, wasn't, isn't something I'm proud of. Um, so as I'm having these conversations with other people, like I try to keep that in mind that that was probably a perspective that I'm going to have eight or nine years ago and yeah. I've unlearned. Um, but it is, yeah, it's, it's hard. Cause I'm like, I don't feel like I'm doing a good job. <laughs> I want to do a good job, but I, you know, we're trying, I guess. And that's, yeah. A start. <laughs> Two things if I, if I can, one, I think that accepting growth from other people, accepting growth from ourselves is super important. And I think, like like you're saying, not you changed over the last five, six years. I think people are changing now over the last five, six months, last five, six weeks, you know? And, and it's tricky because, you know, we're so quick to say, you're done, I'm over you. Um, but the whole point is that if we want people to change their minds, we have to give them the space to change their mind. Do you know what I mean? Like give them the information and then go away for a while. Let it sink in. I'm speaking to myself too. Like let the information sink in, see what they're, see how they come back to you. Do you know what I mean? Um, So that's one thing I want to say too about your conversation. I had a conversation the week of um, the Floyd murder with a really good friend of mine. Um, He's, He's, I would say, a. Growing up, he was a staunch Republican, and now he is a. He's also he's still a Republican, but, um, but I say that meaning that he's not, like he's not far right. He's just conservative, and so he and his wife were talking about talking to me about how I shouldn't be afraid, and they had all these stats and these figures, and, and white people get killed as much, and and I was like, okay. Everything you're saying is wonderful, and I, I, I sincerely appreciate what you're saying. These facts are not my reality, and so you, you believe this, believe it. Like I, I don't deny these facts, except for the black people actually do get killed more. But so everything you're saying is right. The problem is your facts and my life aren't the same, and. Like we we kind of had to throw up our arms together and realize that we live we do live in two different actually don't live in two different worlds we live in we live two different lives you know they're in Edina which is much safer than 38th in Chicago Minneapolis and and it was it was kind of sad but it was also like there was this almost okay this is where we can start you know we have we're looking at the exact same event, literally the exact same video, and our responses are so different. And now we have to figure out how we are going to coexist with that information. And and it's it's like we talked every week for like six weeks, and sometimes it was less about you know social issues, but like our friendship got got really strong because we. It's been fun, not fun, that's absolutely not the word. It's been 
nice to get past some of the bullshit with people. You know, you, you have long-term relationships that are built on sports or built on food or whatever. And now how are, to your question, Rachel, how are you? Like, how are you doing? Like, how is your mental state? Mine is rocky. You know, if you need to be rocky, we can be rocky together. And so I think as shitty as this summer has been, there's also, there's a chance. I mean, we have to decide, but there's a chance that it could be really the beginning of better. I won't even say great. Like, I'd be, I'd be happy with better. Um, we just have to be willing to, to be honest. I just want to say that you said your facts and my life aren't the same thing. That was yeah. very powerful. It was, it was rough. Very... It was rough. It was rough. Yeah. Like she didn't, she didn't, she truly didn't like when I said it, we, we both just stopped because it, I think that's a big piece of it. Like, I don't, I don't know how else to say it, but like, these are the facts and you're super safe. Okay. I'm not, <laughs> you know, um, it, it was it was horrible and wonderful all at the same time. Yeah, I, I think that's so powerful because it is it like it's easy for on both sides of that argument to yeah. be like, well, here are the statistics, here are the facts. I'm like, we're talking about human fucking beings. Like, yeah, fuck your facts. Yeah. yeah, this is my life. <laughs> like, that. I mean, it's not funny. I laugh because like it's an uncomfortable thing to say. But anyway, that's yeah, it's really powerful. Yeah. DJ, I know that the Devin Way video was really yeah. meaningful for you. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Before we hear DJ answer, Devin Way actually was so gracious and gave us permission to use some of the audio from his original Instagram video. We're just going to play a portion of it, but we will link in the show notes the entire video, and we highly encourage you to listen and watch from start to finish. So here it is, and then we'll jump back in and hear from DJ. I had a video I watched of an American man, um, George Floyd, being pinned down by another American man and former police officer as he begged for his life and declared that he couldn't breathe. And so now, even on my birthday, um, a day... I should be celebrating. I feel heaviness and shame for the fact that I get to get older, for the fact that I can breathe. I'm from a super small town in East Texas. It's a beautiful town. It's called Lufkin. And um, I was born to a, a mother who is white and a father who is black. Um, I because um, of the way I was raised, my my dad, he was not present in my childhood. And so uh, I got to be raised by the white side of my family. Uh, they're incredible people, by the way. But something I didn't realize in my upbringing um, is that because I was raised in this predominantly white world, I never felt a connection to my black culture. In fact, so much so that as I got older, I realized um, and started becoming aware that inside of myself, as this biracial boy, I 
had decided that the white part of me was superior to the black part of me. And so I clung to that side. I did everything in my power to separate the idea that I was African-American because I truly believed that it was lesser. And even saying that right now, it, it feels so gross. It feels so nasty. I knew I wasn't a racist um, because as a man of color, like I couldn't hate myself. And um, But there were these microaggressions in my behavior that I picked up on um, in order to survive as a, a young biracial boy in a white world. And uh, with everything going on in the world today, I I started realizing, like, why haven't I activated my voice? Why haven't I taken a stand and spoken out and said something, anything? And I realized it was because, um, because I, I, as um, this biracial boy who chose as a child, uh, even, if it was, even if it was subconsciously, um, didn't feel like I had a right to my black culture. Um, I felt like because as a child, I um, clung to my whiteness in fear that if I embraced my blackness, it would make me less than, uh, that I had no right to fight I had no right to stand up um, for African-American rights in my adulthood um, because then it would mean that there was a convenience factor. You know, like, oh, I'm only black when it's convenient. And so this is a message to little me. And I wanted to do it publicly and I wanted to do it on my birthday. Um, little Devin, you little biracial, full of life boy, in East Texas. You don't have to choose. Yeah, so we, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but so the, the handle is the Devin Way um, on Instagram, and he actually is on Grey's Anatomy, um, and he's part of um, uh, Kinergy with Julianne Huff, who, if you're listening, Julianne, you know, reach out. Anyway, um, I have a small, huge crush on her, but... Um, he talked about right after George Floyd, he got on and it was his birthday and he talked about his, his life and how he grew up in a small town in Texas, a white mom, his, his, um, dad who was black wasn't around and he chose his whiteness. And I, like, when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, he's, that's me. He's saying my words. And I think that I just wanted to, and I wrote to him and I, you know, but it's for me growing up. I definitely chose my whiteness because it was safer. And, and he says the same. And, and then he also got to the point where he realized that that was okay. And for me, there was a lot of um, shame and guilt from choosing my whiteness. And now I'm, like I've said earlier, like I'm working through the idea that the choices I made were the right choices at the time. And this is true, I think, for everyone. But I didn't, I, it's like that trip. I couldn't, I had to make those choices to get through high school, you know, and to get through college and to get, like, I had to live that life to get to this point. And I think often, if not daily, about if, if I would change anything. And I always think no, 
I've, I've never thought, yeah, I would love to have been, um, have a family that was richer or been, you know, been white or been black or whatever it is, because to be able to have the growth that I've had as cliche as it is, I can't imagine not experiencing this. Um, do I wish it had happened sooner? No, because then I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have it at all. Like I wouldn't, something would have been missed. And it's super easy to say, um, like I, I always get a kick out of when rich people say that it's not about money, um, because it kind of is sometimes. But in this case, I think that if something in my life had been different, if I had married my college girlfriend, like I wouldn't be this guy. I wouldn't be on this podcast. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have experienced George Floyd the same way. And I I'd like to think that I've touched someone, whether in an airport or at a subway or whatever, in a way that their life is better. And I like I, I know I have, you know, and I take I take really tiny um, moments with people and like I like to give people money on the corners. I get a kick out of it because they're seen and it's a dollar, guys. Like, <laughs> I can handle it. Um, and and so all of that to say that his, his video freed me up to forgive my little boy and, like, take that little boy in and say that you're okay. You did it right. We're going to be fine. And now I, I get to, like, it's a jumping off point. I mean, um, imagine if more people did that, had those conversations with their inner kids. Yeah. Uh, when you were talking about it, uh, a quote came up that is more of a mantra that I heard recently, but it's, I forgive myself for all the things I did to survive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we don't, I mean, my best friend's a, or a grade school counselor, so you can imagine the stories that she has, but she's, she is so committed to the idea that you have no idea what anybody else is going through. And so come into every conversation and every interaction, she, she actually says, come into it with the idea that they're having a horrible day because you don't know. You know, and and so few people wear anything on their face or on their yeah, on their face, and I just it's not hard to be nice. It really isn't, um, and you you never know who needs it. Yeah, there's something else interesting as I watched that video. I think you probably posted it, and that's where I saw it first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what's coming up for me now, as I recall it, and I rewatched it before this, um, is I was thinking to myself, like, wow, the ability to hold both, like all these identities within oneself, um, you know, and Devin says in the video, which we'll link to in the show notes, I'm actually going to reach out to him and see if we can put it put it on audio clip in the um, podcast. And yeah, if, if not, great. yeah, That's if not, nice. then we'll link to it. Um, and so definitely listen to it. And he speaks in there of like, I am both, right. I'm honoring both sides. This isn't me honoring black over white, white over black. It's both. 
and there was something so like oh like an exhale for me and you know I sit here as a cis white female and what if I still and maybe this isn't fair but it's coming up so I'm going to say it what if I invited myself to see both sides both black and white within me too you know I mean I don't know if I'm allowed to do that but like I don't know the ability for me to go to like feel all all of all of the all of that existence all that is out there within me um is that an invitation well I am I'm gonna sit in that in that invitation of you know what does that allow me to do if I can own both for myself yeah so I this I don't know if this is what you were talking about I agree a hundred percent I think that um you know, on, on my trip and kind of in my life, like energy has been a big thing. You know, anyone can walk into a room and tell if it's, if people are happy or sad. Right. And so you get into a large group of people and, and you like mob mentality is real, but then also people at concerts, everybody's happy. And, and I think that, um, if you're, if we're willing to look past what we see, and and go more to what's to what we feel um this is like we are all energy ultimately and um so i am you you are me and one of the things like seeing black people more this summer like i I, like i feel them too you know, and I, and I feel the experience and I think that maybe what, what you're getting to is like, there's a, there's a piece of you that has had the black quote, you know, the black experience in a different lifetime. And, you know, if I believe in that, so we can go down that train if you want, but um, it's, it's impossible for me to not feel what you feel if I let myself do you know what I mean and so I think you being open to that can only be a good thing um the I think the butterfly effect is real I don't know how to quantify it but um I just think I I do I think we're all connected I think everybody is trying as hard as they can I think sometimes it's hard to see because they're trying in opposite directions, but they're still trying as hard as they can. And I get super frustrated with absolutes. And I find myself going down like, this is what it is. But I, what if you're wrong? You know, there's a, there's a, there's a woman on Instagram who's, she says, I approach every situation with what if I'm wrong? And she said it changed her life because she's she looks for the other side before she dives in. And uh, I I guess all of that to say, don't deny yourself. Yeah, I I appreciate you putting it into like an essence because I think yeah. I was feeling like you can't really say that because yeah. that's not fair for you to assume that you can understand an experience that you could never have and right. in essence you know that invitation and that curiosity 
to for me to be able to play with that to see to be a bridge myself you know within yeah. within myself and outside of myself both you know as above so below I, I i love that idea and i think that that's where the intention for that came from well, let me ask, let me ask it this way is so you talk about the essence and and maybe it's do you think that it could be like you'll ex, you'll explore that side of it versus the human experience of it because it it would be more difficult for you to say oh yeah i've i've lived as a black guy i've lived as a biracial kid like obviously not but i think you know energetically and and kind of uh, metaphysically or spiritually or however you want to say that's easier for me to get to yeah. you know what i mean yeah yeah i think you that's exactly right and and that goes for really it's just kind of expanding in a lot of areas of my life too of like where else have i deemed myself unable to understand the perspective or i just don't know so i'm not going to engage and yeah. and i i actually that's like a, such a cop out i'm seeing it as a cop out for myself now well it reminds me and um was it season one or season two anya and when we had that conversation i mean it's sort of similar like the it's this experience that we have not gone through at all, but yet you've like, and we've experienced those emotions. So we can tap into that. Like we've experienced maybe not in the same way, not in the same system, not with the same background, but we've experienced yeah. the emotion of being afraid. We've experienced the emotion of being fucking pissed off. Like, and no, it's not exactly the same, but we can tap into that to connect. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think that for me it's like it that's the entryway in but don't stop there. I think that's what is coming up for me right now is like I can I can use that to connect and relate, but then don't then only rely on my own version of that story. Use that to connect right. and then open up the dialogue and actually that like get to that use it to get to the to the to the collaboration to the evolu evolved dialogue whatever it ends up being the action piece i guess yep totally totally yeah so i want to be honoring of time and um dj i want you to just explain the coven because that's who we're going to donate to for this episode yeah, yeah so g give them a little shout out so this um it's a group of a group of women um a friend of mine at um uh, from a past life at fallon started it it's a it's a workspace um for women and non-binary and trans um people to it's a safe space really um for them to do any work that they want to do it's i am doing a horrible job of explaining this um but the the website which will do a much better job is thecoven.com. Um, they're based out of Minneapolis. They do have um, digital memberships as well. But it's it's what what they've done is created a safe space for um, people to work, and it's a it's a really beautiful um, community. And they've they've during COVID they've reached out after Floyd they. They've reached out to the community. They're they're 
they're wonderful. Um, I'm trying to think if I can say anything else. Um, yeah, the coven, the coven.com. Um, look them up. They're spectacular, really. Yeah, and we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, and I spoke with them. And they said specifically we can donate directly to their community funded memberships so that people who might not have, yeah, people who might not have access to funds to be able to access the space, um, they're accepting donations to cover those. And then people can apply to get a scholarship. So we'll be doing that and then um, there will be information so any of our guests can, can also do, or sorry, any of our community can also do that. So. Yeah. So DJ, the last question we always ask everybody is in one word, how do you live your true North? Yeah. Um, I know. And I don't have a good answer for you. Yet, but, um, I, I think it won't be, it won't be one word. It'll be two, but I, I show up and I, I think that, that it's really important that, for me that I, I continue to do that. And I actually need to change my answer. Forgiveness. That's how I put it. Because especially now, like I make, I make mistakes daily, um, sometimes hourly. And I think that it's all part of the process and it's all part of becoming who I am who I am. I was going to say who I meant to be, but I am who I meant to be. You know, I think that, that if I can forgive the slips and if I can accept the, uh, kind of the, the messy, I think that it's like, it, it is, it is a beautiful life. And I'm, I'm only laughing because I, I feel the cliche budding in me. But I think that forgiveness and authenticity and willing to show up and just be seen, that's a, a lot of people are afraid to do that now. They hide behind their keyboard or they hide behind, you know, what other people want for them. They hide behind their parents' ideas. Like, it's, this is it, you know. I'm going to disappoint people, but I'm also going to thrill people and inspire people and I, I don't get to make that choice. I can only choose it for me. Um, if I, I mean, I do want to call out one other person. I can't pronounce his last name, but his handle is Gary underscore V, V-E-E. Just, he's phenomenal. Um, listen to five minutes and you'll be inspired. He doesn't give a shit about anybody other than he wants people to be happy. Like, I don't know how to get much better than that. It's amazing. It's, so, it, I think it's Vanderchuk. Yeah, I just can't pronounce it. So. It's, it's Janelle's literally like favorite person oh. ever. <laughs> Marry me. Right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah, that True North answer wasn't great, but that's no, who it's going to So it's, it's, yeah. You're brilliant, dude. I love yeah. you so much. You too. Um, Thank you for this. Yeah. And if somebody wants to get in touch with you, if they're inspired by this conversation and they're, yeah, they want to reach out, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. Instagram's great. Um, DJ underscore 2303. Um, 
it's, yeah, it's the best. Cool. Thank you so much for sharing you, sharing your story, sharing your heart. Absolutely. It was, it was my messy pleasure. <laughs> I miss you. I wish we lived closer. This has been Amplify, a mini series by the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, and to be able to leave a donation for our guests coming on this mini series, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. We think it's incredibly important that everyone be able to authentically live and find their true north. We appreciate your support. Thank you.